symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade. And we're now at episode number 78. And I am your host, Ray Russell, as we continue and finish out April 1987 in the WWF this week. And you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and our sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, where we talk the weekly breakdown of the Monday Night War. And of course, our brand new regional wrestling podcast, where we talk the territories, all of those shows, and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network on WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere. Your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. You can also follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also follow and like us Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. You can follow us on social media for all the latest goings on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find us there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And if you don't know by now, now is a great time to be a patron, WrestleCopia patron that is, you can find us there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but the $5 all-access tier gets you so many gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed show notes for the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. You'll also receive early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days, sometimes as much as a week earlier, than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 NWA project, includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back in. But that's not all. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. All of that for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of our podcast shows, plus the Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content, digital downloads, and so much more for just $5. No subscription, cancel anytime. Show your support, give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it goes right back in to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please help us pay some of the bills to keep the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, Regional Wrestling, and more up and running for the years to come. And as I'm recording this, it is Royal Rumble Week here in 2023. Wishing everyone a happy Royal Rumble season. You know, when the time comes, at least in past years, I get so antsy, I just can't wait for the pay-per-view, I'm sorry, the live premium event to begin. 
I need to find things to do. Well, hopefully you can use this, the Wrestling Memory Grenade, and some of our other shows here at WrestleCopia as something to do while you're waiting for the big event. And last time here on the Grenade, we left off at the April 13th edition of Primetime Wrestling, Kim Patera, slated to be released from prison, look out Bobby Heenan, and so much more going on right now in the world of the WWF as we're still coming out of WrestleMania 3, heading in to the month of May and Saturday night's main event. So last week we covered the first two weeks of April 87. This week we're going to continue on and finish out the month of April as we pick things up with WWF Superstars of Wrestling for April 18th, 1987. All right, guys, in this April 18th episode was taped all the way back March 21st prior to WrestleMania, Las Vegas, Nevada at the Thomas and Mack Center. It was the WWF's debut in Las Vegas. And here this week, as always, it's Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and Bruno San Martino on commentary as we're off to the ring. Our opening match this week, the Can-Am Connection, Rick Martell and Tom Zink taking on the team of Dusty Wolf and Barry O. Right away, we get an insert promo from the Can-Am Connection. They're connecting every time. Coming for the tag team titles, Heart Foundation, beware. And we get a bleached blonde Dusty Wolf here. He attacks Tom Zink to begin the match. At one point, he manages to get Zink up at a suplex. It begins to fall backwards with the move. It looks like Rick Martell was supposed to help Zink over land on his feet. But Martell a little late, and he actually has to catch Zink on the way down in the suplex. So Zink is actually taking the suplex bump as Martell rushes in, catches him. Very awkward, but pretty cool at the same time. Talk about lucky here was Tom Zink. And from there, it's the Can-Am Connection double-teaming the job guys with stereo dropkick sending him out of the ring. Then once we get back to the action, Tom Zink busts out a German suplex with a bridge. Impressive here on Dusty Wolf, but Barry O in to break up the count. Martell now tags in, hooks a head scissors on Barry O on the mat, then walks on his hands across the canvas and climbs up the ropes with his hands, turning it into a flying head scissors takeover. Very impressive, Rick Martell, but I'm not really shocked. Martell even busting out a cartwheel for a little fun here after the spot. But the future model gets cute one too many times. He goes for a Thez press here, and he's caught by Barry O here in the midair and dropped back into a hot shot across the top rope. The brother of Cowboy Bob, Barry Orton, then with a double underhook suplex, gets himself a two-count on one of the Can-Ams. Vince McMahon on commentary asks Jesse Ventura if he heard what Johnny V said earlier on in the program. Uh, Vince, hate to break it to you, this, this is the first match. Not really sure what he's referencing. We'll find out later in this episode of The Grenade. Anyways, Vince goes on to talk about it. He says, Johnny V thinks he can beat Beefcake. So don't worry, we'll come back to this odd placement of this comment made by Vince in this match. But speaking of the match, late in this matchup, the job guys collide center ring. Then it's Tom Zink with a power slam and Rick Martell slingshot splash on Dusty Wolf. Can-Am Connection picking up the win here. Three minutes and 57 seconds. And the Can-Ams really firing on all cylinders now, looking really good in the WWF ring. And Rick Martell specifically on another level as a wrestler right now. Just absolutely phenomenal. As we're off to update, and Craig DeGeorge, he talks about Brutus Beefcake. And we get a promo from the Beefer, who cuts a very ugh, rough promo. Not very good here, is Beefcake in this interview. He talks about Johnny V and the new Dream Team. He wants revenge on all three of them. Also, Adrian Adonis 
got what he deserved at WrestleMania, but Beefcake's not done with him either. And Brudite was never great on promos, but he's just now learning to cut a promo by himself. Remember, he always had Johnny V for all that was. And Greg the Hammer Valentine standing there cutting the promo for him since he's been here in the WWF. Not only is he doing it by himself now, but he's doing it as a babyface for the first time here. He has nobody to fall back on. He's just cutting his teeth on these promos. Not so good here. As we move on to an odd couple vignette of Outback Jack and Hillbilly Jim discussing their country's cuisines, if you will. Hillbilly Jim loves the possum fritters. Meanwhile, Outback Jack loves barbecued goanna. Had to look that up. Apparently, it's, it's monitor lizards of different types. Barbecued lizard is Outback Jack's favorite back home. I wrote the next tag team champions, question mark. Believe it or not, it was being discussed. Supposedly, anyway. As we move on and go back to the ring, the outlaw Ron Bass taking on Alex Knight. And there's still no Miss Betsy. No bullwhip just yet for the outlaw. But we do get an insert promo from Bass, still running down Mulligan and his family. Bass says he's issued the challenge, but he hasn't heard a response from the yellow blackjack Mulligan. Well, Bass, hate to break it to you, you're going to keep waiting. And as you might suspect, nothing match here, but Bass does allow Knight to take some free shots. Give me all you got, which Bass, of course, no sells. Then we see the awful flying back elbow that Knight also does his best to dodge. But it does connect enough to be the finish of this match. Outlaw Ron Bass picking up the win. One minute and 57 seconds as we're off to Mean Gene Okerlund. He's standing by with one of the many challengers for the Hart Foundation's tag team titles. He's standing by with the Killer Bees. All right, fans, I've got to tell you, the tag team situation here in the World Wrestling Federation is red hot. As a matter of fact, it's on fire. You've got champions in the Hart Foundation. Of course, the former champions, the British Bulldogs, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, the Dream Teams. You can go on and on. The Can-Am Connection, the Rougeaus, the Islanders. And certainly, when you mention that kind of company, you cannot omit this outstanding tag team combination. Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair, and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Gentlemen, come on in. Jimmy, I think I said it. It's on fire right now. It sure is, uh, Gene. You know, everybody's vying for uh, contention. Uh, everybody wants to get a shot at the hearts. Everybody realizes that the hearts uh, got the belts uh, by devious means. And uh, Brian and I have got a goal, and we've had that goal since we've been in the WWF, uh, some uh, over two years now, and that's to be World Tag Team Champions. And we just have to take each match as they come and hopefully uh, remain healthy and uh, see what happens. Well, I'll tell you what, the commitment that you've made to each other and, of course, to the World Wrestling Federation right now is starting to pay off because it's just a matter of time right now, be Brian Blair, before you get a shot at those championship belts. That's right, Mean Gene, and you know, to be, to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. And everybody out there on national television saw us beat the Hart Foundation. Right. You know, we stung them so bad, Jimmy, it looked like they had a bad case of the hives. And that's exactly what we plan on doing again, because the Hart Foundation are so devious, they're so misleading, they got that little weasel Danny Davis running around, that mouth of the South Jimmy Hart, something's gonna be done, someone's gonna stop him, and Mean Gene, I think we're just the team to do that. I know there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of good teams, the Can-Am Connection, Haku and Tama, all kind, you can go on and on, but somehow, some way, we're gonna be there. Well, I'll tell you, right now, one of the top tag teams here in the World Wrestling Federation have got to be these two young men. They are brilliant in the ring. B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, they are the Killer Bees. All right, Brunzel kind of standing back, and he's going to take the challenges as they come in hopes for a world title shot against the Hart Foundation. Gene says he believes it's just a matter of time before the Bees get their shot. Meanwhile, you heard Brian Blair there stealing Flair's line to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. And they beat the Hart Foundation on national TV last year. And that was before the Hart Foundation were champions, guys. 
Killer B is still living off that one big win over the Hearts several months ago. And it's back to the ring with Ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on Tiger Chung Lee. We finally get a Duggan squash, and of course, it's against a foreigner here, the Korean Tiger Chung Lee. And speaking of foreigners, it's an insert promo from the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov along with their manager Slick. Nobody is going to stop Nikolai Volkov from singing the Russian national anthem. Not even you, Buckethead Duggan. Nikolai begins to sing the anthem in the insert. That's one way to get it in without Duggan interfering. And it's back to the action. Jim Duggan with the wind-up slam and the three-point stance in clothesline. And at least he's still leaving his feet at this point to connect with the move. Duggan picking up the win there at 2 minutes and 38 seconds. As we're off to Mean Gene Oakland with the newest tag team in the WWF, a couple of New Yorkers, and Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. I want to bring in the newest tag team alliance in the World Wrestling Federation. They just recently got together. Two brilliant young stars out of the New York City area. First of all, from Kensington, New York. Come on in, Paul Roma. Paul, great to have you back. And your new partner is certainly a young man that I've, I've watched the last couple of years really uh, come of age. He is Jimmy Powers from the Big Apple. And uh, Jimmy, right now, a lot of important uh, tag teams in the World Wrestling Federation, the Can-Am Connection, the Killer Bees, and, of course, the World Tag Team Champions, the Hearts. Well, Gene, that's one of the reasons me and Paul wanted to get together. We can see that the WWS has the finest tag teams in the world. And me and Paul have been struggling now for three or four years wrestling single matches. We finally got together. We've been working out every day in the gym. It's obvious. We've been getting in the ring. We've been trying real hard. We think we've got it down pat, and we'd like to challenge all the tag teams in the WWF. All right, Jimmy, very well stated. You know, Paul, you and I have talked privately before we even got on the air about this, and you are truly excited. I don't think I've seen you quite this excited about getting together with a certain tag team partner, namely Jimmy Powers. Well, you know, it's just like he said, Gene. Uh, the, the people have been behind us while we've been wrestling single, and we started talking, and we said, well, we think we could get it together, both of us. And... Uh, We've been working real hard, and we're going to show the people what we have, and hopefully the good people will still be behind us and back us up all the way, and we thank them. You know, you're going to be tested to the limit because we've got so many great teams. You know, you talk about the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, and yes, I talked about the World Tag Team Champions, and of course the British Bulldogs, and the lists go on and on, the Killer Bees. You really got your work cut out for you, Jim Powers. Well, nobody and said it was going to be easy, Gene, and that's what we want. We they want never to did. Here and we want to try with the best. We want to compete with the best because we want to rise to the top. Watch out for them. Jim Powers, Paul Roma, they're here and they're ready. And these future young stallions say they haven't been successful separately, but they think they can get it done together as a team. They hope they have the fan support, and we'll have to see how that goes. As we're off to another vignette, this time it's Mr. Fuji standing by with Sika. Also Kim Chi and Kamala in the background of this segment as well. Fuji has a big surprise, boy son. For Sika, the wild Samoan, a giant dead fish for Sika to gnaw on. And as Sika begins to bite pieces off of the fish while Fuji cuts a promo, Kamala becomes upset, perhaps a bit jealous. He wants some of that fish too. And for comedy purposes, I assume anyway, Kamala lunges at the fish to try and get a bite for himself as we cut away and get this from Vince McMahon. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he's got them hungry for action, don't he? Disgusting. Yeah. I would have thought Vince was a sushi guy. Although I hear he does like his steak with ketchup. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you're 10. And it's back to the ring for Sika and Kamala teaming up for the first time that I can think of with Mr. Fuji and Kim Chi in their corner taking on the team of Jerry Allen and Jesse Cortez. 
And on commentary, Jesse Ventura says he wants to see Kamala and Sika against the tandem of Bruno Sammartino and Vince McMahon. Me too, Jesse. And as Fuji has been donning the, the face paint as of late, Vince McMahon refers to it as goofy looking. Jesse calls it Oriental Mystique. As the match gets going, Jerry Allen comes at Sika and Kamala with everything he has, but it's still not enough. Kamala busts out a leapfrog that gets a big pop from the fans, then Jerry Allen runs right into a thrust kick from the Ugandan headhunter. Cortez then tags in, but right away eats a falling headbutt from Sika and Kamala with the big splash getting the win on Cortez. Two minutes and five seconds. Post-match, sees Kamala want to climb to the top rope, drop another splash on Cortez, but he's being held back by Mr. Fuji, Kim Chi, and the referee. They all try to talk the Ugandan down. Meanwhile, behind their backs, Sika comes over and begins to choke away at Cortez. Gotta keep your eyes on both savages at this point, and they may be onto something here. Kamala and Sika together. I think they could handle the team of Outback Jack and Hillbilly Jim, that's for sure. As we're off to yet another on-site vignette, this time at the ranch of one Black Jack Mulligan. Mulligan says that the outlaw Ron Bass better watch his comments on his family and his girlfriend, Sarah Jo Puckett, why she can chew tobacco better than any man Black Jack knows and spit further. So we get a comedy promo here for the underneath garbage that is supposed to be Mulligan versus Bass, clearly not meant to be taken seriously. And thankfully, this will all end soon. As we head back to the ring, it's Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Joe Murdo. And almost immediately, we get an insert promo from the Honky Tonk Man. He says he's not afraid of the DDT, but it needs to be banned. The fans gave their voice of confidence just a couple months ago for Honky, so get behind him one more time and ban the DDT. We'll see how well that goes for Honky Tonk Man. And speaking of which, it is a knee lift, a short arm clothesline, and yep, the DDT by Jake Roberts puts Murdo out in 4 minutes and 25 seconds. Post-match, the crowd goes insane when Jake gets to the bag, takes Damien out, tosses him on top of poor Joe Murdo, and then Jesse Ventura with another great line here. Vince popping for the snake being thrown on Murdo. Jesse says, You used to hate this, but now you like it. Vince just ignores Jesse. Hypocrite McMahon. Nothing else new to see here, so we move on. It is part three, guys, of the Ken Patera story. Let's listen to this. This week, we showed you how Olympic athlete hero Ken Patera fell under the influence of Bobby the Brain Heenan. But the true tragedy began innocently enough, late on a snowy night in Waukesha, Wisconsin, when a hungry Ken Patera went to a fast food restaurant after a grueling match. According to newspaper reports, Ken Patera was denied service, told that the restaurant was closed for the night. It is alleged that Ken Patera and a co-defendant threw a rock through the restaurant window, resulting in a call to the police. The police arrived at Ken Patera's motel, and a melee ensued between a number of local police, Ken Patera, and a co-defendant. Patera was arrested and charged with the felony. He went to trial and was found guilty. In these days of rapists, kidnappers, and murderers, plea bargaining for a fraction of their sentences, or even getting off scot-free, Patera was sentenced to two years in prison. There were many who felt that a first-time offender, a man who represented his country in international competition, should not have received such a harsh sentence. Who's to blame? The judicial system? Society? Or does Ken Patera bear the full brunt on his own wide shoulders? And what was it like for a man in the prime of his career 
to spend two long, hard years in prison. Let Ken Patera tell you. I accept full responsibility for my actions. Nobody's above the law. Nobody knows that better than Ken Patera. I accept full blame for it. I should have never listened to people like Bobby Heenan, somebody that creates a problem and just walks away. When I was down, I need moral support. There was no phone calls, no letters, no visits. You completely abandoned me, Bobby. What was it like sitting in jail, being in prison? The disgrace I brought upon my loved ones, my family, my friends, the disgrace I brought up myself. I hope to make it right by ridding the world of people like you, Bobby Heenan. I paid for my mistake and I will be coming back. All right, so Mean Gene this time telling the fast food story. I believe it was a McDonald's. Kenny was denied service and told it was closed. Ken and a co-defendant, they're referring to Mr. Saito here, then threw a rock through the window of said McDonald's. Then a melee ensued back at the hotel. The cops came there looking for Kim Batera to arrest him. Multiple police officers involved in this fight, this brawl, where Patera and Saito initially essentially won out the fight before being arrested there. And then it's just a little bit too much for me here, means you bringing things, these words being used on, on WWF television in this era uh, filled with children watching. Minjin says, in the days of rapists and kidnappers and murderers, those guys are plea bargaining and even getting off scot-free in some instances. Many felt Patera's sentence of two years was a bit harsh for a former Olympian who had no previous criminal record. Who's to blame? Does Kim Patera blame himself? We then hear Patera say he accepts full responsibility for what he did, then immediately goes on to talk trash on Bobby Heenan for abandoning him. Kenny planning to rid the world of bad people like Bobby the Brain Heenan. Patera plans to return to the WWF ring very soon. So we know now Kim Patera going to be released from prison. Kayfabe, he was already released back, I believe, around October or so of 86. But Patera now going to be a free man very soon. Bobby Heenan going to be in trouble. And just to reference the story being told there of Patera and the co-defendant who was Mr. Saito, from all accounts I've heard later on down the line, the old story was that both men were involved throwing the rock, yada, yada, yada. From what I understand, Saito was never part of the initial incident at the McDonald's where Patera threw the rock, the boulder as some call it, through the window of the fast food restaurant. However, he was sharing a hotel room with Mr. Saito, and when the cops came looking, when they came back to find Patera, it was Saito answering the door, who had no idea what had even transpired. He didn't know what was going on. Saito, a little defensive, he begins fighting the officers himself. And of course, Patera joined in, and they beat the living hell out of a few of the cops. And that'll get you two years anytime, Kenny. I don't care what your criminal history was prior to this. Nevertheless, next week, it'll be the fourth and final installment of the Ken Patera story. We won't have to wait long to get to that one, but we head back to the ring for now here on Superstars. It is the King Harley Race with Bobby Heenan in his corner, taking on Billy Anderson as we get an insert promo from the brain bashing Kim Patera for blaming Heenan when it was the punk garbage Patera who broke the law. Strong words there from Bobby the Brain Heenan on his former charge, Kim Patera. But back to the action, Harley Race with a double underhook suplex, the patented race knee drop, and a cradle suplex, no bridge. Gets the win here in 1 minute and 54 seconds. As we close out this edition of Superstars, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland standing by yet again. Another promo. This time, it's Jimmy Hart along with the entire 
Hart Foundation. That's the tag team champions, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and the newest addition, Dangerous Danny Davis. All right, Jimmy, mouth of the South Hart. Proud as punch for the last couple of months. Jimmy now manages the Hart Foundation, the world tag team champions. But you've done more than that. You've added to that, that very distinguished group. The latest addition being former World Wrestling Federation referee Danny Davis. As you know, he was ixnayed by the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring this guy in when I want to. Where do you just come up out of left field? I can't believe it. He does what he wants to do because he's a member of the Hart Foundation. First of all, I want you to eat a little crow. I told you one year ago that the Hart Foundation become the next world champions, did I not? You, you told me that. As a matter of fact, you made that uh, prediction, that prognostication. <laughs> I didn't think I'd see the day, but it happened. But the way that it happened is another story yet, Jimmy Hart. Why don't you tell your side of it? Well, what are you trying to, try, yeah. you trying to say that we didn't have the ability? What are this, you trying to insinuate? You exactly know what I'm what trying to say. Oh, spit it out! This man was, was in careful. your... No, he spit wasn't it in out. your corner. Come on, say he it, was say the it, referee. Worship. He, he was the referee? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? And what happened? He was the referee. You know what, what happened? happened. The Bulldogs were defeated. Right in the middle of the ring, fair and square, That's on national TV. There you go. Simple as that. Right from the horse's mouth. You know, everybody talks. Everybody talks about the bad things that this guy does. Does anybody think about the good things that this guy's done for, for everybody? What's he done that's huh? good? He's, done He's works with the Kiwanis. The Kiwanis Club? He certainly does. I didn't know he that. He works with the Cub Scouts. He, um... He, he was a detective. Everyone forgets about this one. He was a detective at a department store. And when the little children were caught stealing candy, he let them go. You know, not to uh, bring criminal injustice upon the little children. Everyone forgets about that kind of stuff. Wait a minute, gentlemen. You, Stop right here. Stop right here. There is one other subject that I want to discuss with you this week, and that is the British Bulldogs. The what? Uh, the former tag team. You're talking about the has-beens? The has-beens. I never said that. What these? The has-beens. Keyword is former. We'll be the first ones to admit, Gene, that the Bulldogs, you know, back, back a ways back, they were a pretty good little team. They had a lot of guts and a they lot of fun. Still a great team. Oh, come hey. on. The Bulldogs are yesterday. They're history. They're yesterday. They're behind us. They're gone. We're looking at bigger and better things now because the Bulldogs are just has-beens. I'll tell you. Oh, bye -bye, Bulldog. Speaking oh, of has-beens, you're a has-been referee, Davis. That's all right. You don't no. play. Hasn't this man suffered enough? Tell him, Jim. You know, it was... They took his job. Are you screaming at me? Exactly. Well... They took his job, they fired him. What can a man do without income? Hasn't this man suffered enough? I thank you very much, gentlemen. The Hart Foundation, including Danny Davis and Jimmy Moth of the South Hart. Thank you very much. All right, so the Hart's saying that Danny Davis is an all-around good guy since joining the group. He did a lot of things nobody ever talks about outside of the business. He was once a security guard and allowed some kids to get away with stealing some candy. What a good guy that Danny Davis was. They also talk about some of the teams here in the WWF, namely the former champions, the British Bulldogs, referring to them as has-beens. They were a good team, but they're yesterday's news. We'll have to see about that. And next week here on Superstars, we learn that Hacksaw Jim Duggan has bought himself a front-row seat to watch the team of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov up close and personal. They'll be teaming in six-man action along with the natural butchery, to take on the team of Siviafi and the Islanders. Sounds like some fun. And now we move on to the April 19th edition of WWF Wrestling Challenge. 
All right, and tape back March 22nd, also before WrestleMania. Phoenix, Arizona, Veterans Memorial Coliseum. It's Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary as we head off to the ring for the Birdman, Coco Beware, taking on Bill Howard. The former Radamias makes it on WWF TV yet again. And right away, during this Coco match, we get an insert promo from Danny Davis. Davis promising to shove the Birdman's macaw, Frankie, down Coco's throat, as this is apparently randomly a feud now, or at the very least, some kindling for their house show matches. Not much to see here in the match. Coco eventually dodges Howard's charge in the corner and nails a top rope dropkick before the Ghostbuster ends this one 2 minutes and 14 seconds, and we're off to Wrestler's Rebuttal with Craig DeGeorge. He's standing by with Jacques and Raymond, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. They say that Dino Bravo cost them the match at WrestleMania, and it took away their chance at an upcoming title shot. Good story there. And for that, the new Dream Team will pay. As that feud continues on between the French Canadians and Greg Valentine thrown in there as well. And speaking of the new Dream Team, we head back to the ring to see them in action. It's Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine, now the new Dream Team, managed by Luscious Johnny V, taking on another new team in Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. So two newly formed teams here, the New Dreams and Roma and Powers with matching trunks, but still no jackets and no team name yet for the future Young Stallions. And we get an insert promo from the future Young Stallions here. Yes, they're getting insert promos, getting a little push. Our Powers and Roma, they say they're coming at it 100% every time. And they refer to themselves as up-and-comers. And I'm not an English major, but I'm pretty sure that you're not supposed to refer to yourself as an up-and-comer. That's something, a label that's supposed to be given to you by someone else. But at the very least, it doesn't sound like they lack confidence. But let's see how they fare here this weekend as the future Stallions in control early in the matchup. But Dino Bravo counters Roma into an inverted atomic drop. But Roma continues to fight back. He won't give up, even executing an O'Connor roll-up on Dino Bravo. Gorilla calls it a sunset roll-up. I could see that. But what Roma doesn't realize is Greg Valentine made the blind tag and Hammer wipes out Paul Roma while he's trying to pin Dino Bravo. Bravo, though, eventually tags back in but misses an elbow drop and it's hot tag time. As Paul Roma tags in partner Jimmy Powers, Powers, a house of fire on Dino Bravo but runs into a knee to the back from Greg Valentine on the apron and staggers right into a patented Dino Bravo side suplex. One, two, wait, Paul Roma breaks up the finish. Dino Bravo hits his finisher on Jimmy Powers and it gets broken up by Paul Roma? Yeah, these guys are getting a little push here. Bravo up to his feet and dumps Roma out of the ring while Greg Valentine tags back in and locks in the figure four on young Jimmy Powers and the new Dream Team still managed to pick up the win two minutes and 46 seconds. And it was really fun here seeing Roma save Powers from Bravo's finisher. Makes you take notice that these guys are going to be a little more than typical job guys from this point moving on. I didn't see that coming when it happened and made me pop. I thought it was really good stuff here. As we head off to Mean Gene Okerlund, it's promo time. Mean Gene standing by with the former tag team champions. It's the British Bulldogs, and they're not alone. They have Matilda along with them. All right, we're going to get you back to more rough and tumble action here in just a moment or two. British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid, Davey Boy Smith. Come on in, if you would. Along with mascot Matilda, former tag team champions of the world. And I'm certain that doesn't ring too well with you, Dynamite Kid. Former tag team champion. That's right, you know something mean, Gene? The Foundation won the battle, but the war is on. They made the biggest mistake of their life in Tampa, Florida, when they stole the belts away from the British Bulldogs. That's all fine and dandy, Foundation. Jimmy Hart, who slugged me from behind with a megaphone. 
But the thing is, the British Bulldogs are bigger, stronger, tougher, and now we'll do anything to win at any time. And if we wrestle the Killer Bees, the Canham Connection, the Demolitions, it doesn't matter. We'll use those teams as stepping stones, but we're coming back for those belts. All right, uh, obviously, there's uh, a little war going on here between the British it's Bulldogs. It's not a little war, Gene, it's a big war between the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. And Danny Davis, you're not going to be around for too much longer, because we're going to get rid of you, and we're going to get rid of Jimmy Hart, and then it's just the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. There's going to be no cheap counts in the ring, no referees being paid off for whatever happened in Tampa, Florida. It's just because and them, me and Gene, have made the best, best team win. I wonder if I could prevail upon our cameraman here, if we can get Matilda to give us a little... How about, you know, this has got to be a tremendous, this dog, this bulldog, has got to be a tremendous source of inspiration for the British Bulldogs when you hit the arenas of the country. That's right, Mean Gene. Well, Mean Gene, the, the, the reason why we have this bulldog is to keep guys like Jimmy Hurt and Danny Davis away from ringside. That's oh. what Matilda's job is. Let me ask you a question. Would Matilda go for the shorts on Jimmy Hart if she got the chance? Oh, she'd go for the shorts, all right, more than that. Well, I beg your pardon. Thank you very much. British Bulldogs, the Dynamite Kid, Davy Boy Smith, and his lovely sweetheart, Matilda. How about this, huh? <laughs> All right, and the dogs are back in the hunt for the Hart Foundation and the tag team titles, and they'll go through anyone to get back those championship belts. Mean Gene then pivots from serious conversation in order to take his attention towards Matilda, the bulldog. That's all about all we got there. So we head back to the ring. Hacksaw Jim Duggan standing in the ring waiting to take on Terry Gibbs. Is he going to insert promo from Slick? Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik Slick again talking about old Buckethead Duggan. He says that Duggan can't stop Nikolai from singing the Russian national anthem. In fact, Duggan can't stop them from doing anything they want to do. Strong words from the Slickster there as we head back to the ring. Duggan rushes into the ring with a two-by-four in hand to start things off, running Gibbs out of the ring. But once the action begins, Hacksaw dominates, and it's the wind-up slam and the three-point stance flying clothesline. Yes, I said flying. Duggan's still leaving his feet at this point. Picks up the win in just three minutes' time. Duggan wins another one. As it's time for yet another promo, we're going to go back to Mean Gene yet again. This time, he's with the devious Mr. Fuji and his newest tag team of Axe and Smash, Demolition. All right, Mr. Fuji, come on in if you would. Mr. Fuji, you've got a lot of things happening. What is this, trick or treat, pal? Oh, boy, son. This is the devil you see. Because now I have a, I have a new team, the Demolition. And they will do. And listen to Mr. Fuji. And they make a pony suffer. Please call him in. All right, the demolition. And I must tell you that Mr. Fuji is on a roll. Now with Kamala and the demolition. I can't believe it. What about it, Axe? Right. I'm smashing this Axe. Sorry about that. People wonder who the demolition team is. Well, the demolition team is destruction. We live to fight. We live to beat up people. And when Fuji gives us the order, we demolish everybody in sight, no matter where it is. Isn't that right, Ed? There's a new game in town, people. It's called Demolition Derby. Every time we get in a ring, we don't wrestle. All we do is fight. All we do is listen to Mr. Fuji, the doctor of sick. You know what I'm talking about. This man is going to guide us to the ultimate goal in professional wrestling. He has told us all we need to do to be successful. All we need to do to be champions is listen to him. 
Step by step, opponent by opponent, whether it's the Champion Heart Foundation, whether it's the Can-Ams or the Killer Bees, whether it's the French Connection, it doesn't matter because we're coming after everybody one at a time. I thank you very much, uh, Axe and Smash, the demolitions. Mr. Fuji, you are indeed the doctor of sick. I thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much, please. All right, and Gene gets demolition mixed up for the first of many times here moving forward. A little bit of a running joke over the next couple of years while they're heels anyway. Axe has a great line in this one. He says it's demolition derby time for demolition. Refers to Mr. Fuji as the doctor of sick. Uh, We already have a Doctor of Style, so I don't know how long this one's going to stick. But we're back to the ring. More action, this time involving the Honky Tonk Man, with Colonel Jimmy Hart in his corner, taking on Jerry Allen. Honky out now with the guitar in his hand. Jimmy Hart with the Ban the DDT sign in his hand. And I should note, the suspenders of Honky Tonk are gone here. So this taping, this March 22nd taping, is actually where he changes his gear and not WrestleMania 3, where I initially suggested. And we get an insert promo from manager Jimmy Hart. He says, Honky Tonk isn't afraid of the DDT, but it needs to be banned because it's dangerous. Too many people have ended up in the hospital because of it. So come on, fans, right in and ban the DDT. Meanwhile, back to the ring, Honky drops Allen throat first across the guardrail, then back inside. It's shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker. Picks up the win here for the Honky Tonk man. Two minutes and 31 seconds. And they continue to shill it, guys. Send in your votes to ban the DDT. They insert a P.O. Box address and everything right on the screen for you. Boy, they really want those addresses for their merchandise catalog. Post-match, the Honky Tonk Man gets on the mic. He loves everyone, even the people in the cheap seats. Classic heel heat there for hockey. And it's a little dancing by the Honky Tonk Man as we once again go Honky Tonkin'. Right, and from here, we get a replay from last week's episode with Miss Elizabeth calling Randy Savage more cruel and possessed than ever. He wants back that intercontinental title belt. They also show Ricky Steamboat and his wife Bonnie announce that there's a little dragon in the oven. They're going to be having a little dragon very soon, and this is essentially the beginning of the end here for Ricky Steamboat and his WWF run. Yes, he'll still be around for about another year, but you really won't know it. And they close out this trilogy of replays with Craig DeGeorge trying to interview the Macho Man Randy Savage, who's absolutely lost his mind, and irate Macho Man has went off the deep end, wanting back his intercontinental title. But we're not done yet with the promos. Now we're off to Blackjack Mulligan standing by, going to be talking about who else but the outlaw Ron Bass. Let me tell you something, Ronnie Bass. I've been listening to you run your mouth off last week, and I'm going to tell you something. You had better stay out of my personal business. Tell everybody in the whole world that I've been running from you. Tell everybody in the whole world how bad you are, what you can do to me. Now let me tell you something, Ronnie Bass. I have never run from anybody in my life, except maybe Sarah Joe when she got into Granny's wine and chased me with a meat cleaver one night. So Ronnie Bass, I'll be looking for you, maybe knuckle sandwiches out behind the barn for you, Ronnie Bass. 
And Mulligan's saying that Bass has been talking his shit on Blackjack for weeks now. Mulligan says he's never run from anyone, well, well, except for maybe his main squeeze, Sarah Jo Puckett, when she had the meat cleaver in her hand after getting drunk on Granny's wine. Mulligan says it's knuckle sandwiches for outlaw Ron Bass. I wrote, dear God, this can't end fast enough. Back to the ring, it's Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Dusty Wolf. As we get an insert promo here from Jake, he mentions the current Ban the DDT campaign started by the Honky Talk Man. Jake says that they will never ban the thing that got him to the top. Honky Tonk, beware of the fury of a patient man, because the next time Roberts gets his hand on the Honky Tonk Man, it could be his end. And speaking of the end, we head back to the ring where Jake the Snake dominates, slamming Dusty Wolf on the outside floor before bringing him back inside, laying in those patented jabs, and the DDT pick up the win in 2 minutes and 59 seconds, and the crowd not only pops for the DDT itself, but popping loudly for the setup to the move. Jake calling for the move, and the crowd just erupts. Jake Roberts really getting over here in short fashion as a fairly new babyface. And post-match, of course, it wouldn't be a Jake match without Roberts slithering over to the corner and releasing Damien from the bag, placing him on top of Dusty Wolf, and the crowd eating that one up too. I wrote in my notes here, Jake is so over here. And this would have been heading into WrestleMania. Roberts may be a face for about a month before this was taped. And we already saw this on Superstars. It's a replay of the Kim Patera story part three. So we'll head back to the ring yet again. It's the mighty Hercules with manager Bobby the Brain Heenan taking on Tommy Sharp. And with Heenan at ringside, we get luscious Johnny V on commentary, which was a bummer because we're coming out of a Kim Patera story was really hoping to hear Bobby's response, but we'll save that for prime time instead. And as the match gets going here with Hercules, we get an insert promo from his arch rival, Billy Jack Haynes, who begs Hercules to bring that 70 pounds of chain to the ring for their upcoming matches. Haynes absolutely comes off as intense or insane. Eh, probably a little of both. Back to the action, Hercules puts a beating on poor Sharp, pitching him out to the floor, suplexing him back into the ring, and it's the full Nelson picking up the submission win here, 2 minutes and 43 seconds. As we close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge, Mean Gene Oakland, one more promo. Mean Gene this time standing by yet again with the entire Hart Foundation. It is Jimmy Hart, the tag team champions, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, and of course, their newest member, Dangerous Danny Davis. All right, fans, the one thing I will have to say is that the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, has certainly turned a lot of heads here in the World Wrestling Federation. You know, Jimmy Hart, I'll give you this. Over a year ago, you made the prediction that you would manage the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, and that came to be. It did indeed. You better believe it, baby. Let me tell you something, baby. We have open contracts against anybody, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And like you said, we are the champions of the world. (laughs) You know, we, we are not hiding behind these things at all. Not like the British Bulldogs did. They sure look nice. They're very attractive. Oh, they are. What the? <laughs> what in a devil, Danny Davis? What are you doing in here? Remember. I'm part of the Hot Foundation. I belong here. What are you doing here? I'm just hanging out, pal. What are you kidding me? I'm Obviously. doing a job here. You don't know why I'm here? I'm here with the two champions of the world, the greatest athletes in the world today. Wait a minute. Is he going to be part of your permanent yes. package? Yes, yes, yes. We decided that since they stole this man's job and took it away from him, gave it to somebody else, and fired this man, 
that we would not turn our backs on him, and we've let him join the foundation, and he's really turned out to be a great wrestler. Gentlemen, I, hasn't I, he got I, you know, I want to aside from Danny Davis, are there a couple of things that we can intelligently discuss here this week? Such as what? I'll pick that up. I'm talking about the British Bulldogs. Oh, don't snap it. The Can-Am Connection. The Killer Bees. The Rougeau Brothers. I'll go on and on. Killer, please. Do you really think any of those teams can beat the Hart Foundation? Well, we know we've tried to contact the Islanders from the island of Tonga, but they only have one phone there, and nobody answers it. That's a pay phone right there. They don't take reverse charge. just a bunch of losers anyway. Who how wants can, to hang around with losers? Wait a minute. How can, how can you say that? You're the tag team champions of the That's world. That's correct. You defeated, if you want to call it that, Whip. the British Whoop. Bulldogs. Try you said it. it. Yeah. Try whooped. Whoop. Try whooped the Bulldogs. We defeated. <laughs> you said that. Well, yeah. Annihilated. There we go. <laughs> what, what are you doing? The killer fleet, you right? try to put me on a spot? <laughs> Just face up to it. Just fess up right now. We are the best in the world. There's no team that can compare with the Hart Foundation. Wait a minute. Is there going to be a stipulation? I'm just very curious. Is going to be a stipulation here that any title defenses you have in the very near future in the World Wrestling Federation, that Danny Davis is going to have to be in your corner? He, he should! Is. Absolutely! He lost his job! Jack Tunney fired him! What is he on a Hart Foundation welfare rolls now? No, he's not. We want him outside the ring to watch us wrestle and pick up those little moves hey. that make us the best hey, in the world because he's going to be the best and in the world. And keep the other people from hitting the rings with our backs turned. Like I said, we have yeah. open contracts. Six-man yeah. tag single matches are for the world championships, baby. Would you yeah. please keep your hands to yourself, you little, you little, you little, th thank you, gentlemen, thank you. A little. All right, and Gene, they're rattling off potential challengers. The Bulldogs, the Can-Ams, the Bees, the Rougeos. Jim Neidhart mocking the Islanders as well. Neidhart, another fun promo, full of personality each and every week here. I haven't seen a bad Hart Foundation promo yet here in 1987, all thanks to the Anvil. And they verify it here. They clarify it. If you weren't sure before, Danny Davis is now a permanent part of the Hart Foundation. And we'll have to see how long that lasts. As next week here on Challenge, it's the Battle of the Babyfaces. The fabulous Rougeau brothers will take on Haku and Tama, the Islanders. Can't wait for that. And honestly, as I look at these two shows side by side, Superstars and Wrestling Challenge this week, Challenge may have been the better show this weekend, I feel. But I digress as we continue on. Here on The Grenade, we're off to the April 20th edition of the WWF's Primetime Wrestling. Okay, and hosted per the usual this week, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Before we get into some of the sound bites, we kick things off with a primetime exclusive. It is the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart defeating George the Animal Steel on a countout in 4 minutes and 18 seconds. Both men fighting on the floor, but Honky Tonk able to re-enter the ring as Steel was distracted ringside by Jimmy Hart, though after the bout, the Animal did manage to chase Honky and Hart off from ringside. Now that match was recorded back on March 21st in Las Vegas. We actually played some promos for that match back in the March House Show Results edition of The Grenade. But as primetime rolls on, we see yet again the third part of the Ken Patera story 
Remember, he's being released from prison and he's coming for Bobby the Brain Heenan. Next week, Kim Patera will be a free man. And it's at that point we come back to primetime wrestling and we get a response from Bobby the Brain Heenan. What was it like sitting in jail, being in prison, the disgrace I brought upon my loved ones, my family, my friends, the disgrace I brought up myself? I hope to make it right by ridding the world of people like you, Bobby Heenan. I paid for my mistake, and I will be coming back. Obviously, a vendetta by Ken Patera, one of the most powerful men in the entire world. And he's going to be on your case, Mr. Heenan, because you're the one responsible, directly or indirectly, for what happened for two years out of the life of Ken Patera. I hold you directly responsible. Don't you or anybody else hold me responsible for one darn thing. He got into the trouble he got into because he was an amateur and he is a loudmouth punk. I had him booked in that town the night. I wasn't even in the town. I had nothing to do with him. I can't be a watchdog, a babysitter. I can't diaper him, hold his hand, and order fast food for the man. If he is denied service, it's because he did something they didn't want him in there for or they were closed. Don't blame it on me, Patera. You disgraced your family, you disgraced yourself, and you disgraced professional wrestling because you're nothing more than a loudmouth punk. Don't hang nothing on me, pal. You did time because you deserve to do time. You're going to rid the you. world of me. I'm holding you directly. Don't anybody this. hold me. And I don't want to see any more. We'll be Ken back Patera right after this. I don't care what you hold me responsible for. I don't care what you think about what I think. There's no way I can be held responsible for that. Just I wasn't in the town when that happened. I booked him there. I wasn't at the fast food place. You were his manager when But I'm not a babysitter. I don't it. diaper him. I don't wipe his nose. Well, He's a grown man. you got to assume some kind of responsibility nothing, as a manager. Nothing. If I have to bring my attorneys here, and well, that's maybe no you'll garbage. Just have to because, do that. damn it, I'm not going to take responsibility for something that loudmouth did. You can't control right yourself, now, let's go pal. to ringside. You don't belong in society. Against the Raider. Don't get let's on go down to ringside. Wait a minute. Too no. You better keep an eye on this. You're making fun of this guy out back, Jack. This guy could be creating a lot of problems for you and some of the guys in your stable. Family, I'm sorry. You're upset, right? Because we, uh, Kempatera's got mm. you bent out of shape. The Kempatera story is getting to you because no, no, the truth no. is finally... Listen, no, no, I've uh, been around this business a long time, my friend. I was around when Ken Patera first came here to the World Wrestling Federation. I was the one that was directly put out of professional wrestling by Ken Patera. I retired because of Ken Patera. That's one of the main reasons. I know what Ken Patera was like when he first came here, what happened to him when he got involved with you, and now what's going to happen to him. And you're the one that's going to pay for it all, my friend or my enemy. Sometimes I don't know which you are. I think you're my enemy all the time, and sometimes you try to convince me that you're my friend like you did to Ken Patera. Not a phone call, a message, nothing. Let Let's me tell you why. Coco Let Beware me tell you why. Oh, wait a minute. Too no. And those sound bites were taken over three consecutive segments of the program. Awesome stuff in the brain throughout. So Patera continues to blame Bobby Heenan for what Kenny did. The brain abandoned Ken, so says Patera. Then, of course, we hear Bobby. He replies that, Ken did what he did on his own. He ain't wrong there. Ken is a disgrace and nothing more than an amateur loudmouth punk. Strong words from the brain, but he continues on. Gorilla Monsoon putting over the Kim Patera, put him out of wrestling, retired Monsoon for the most part. Bobby Heenan, irate though, throughout this, clearly trying to build this into a huge angle. Bobby hard selling this program. Absolutely fantastic job here by the brain thus far. As we continue on with primetime, we get another exclusive in the ring. This time it's Outback Jack 
defeating the Masked Raider with the Bulldog of sorts, maybe the Boomerang, not really sure what the hell that was. Outback, though, picking up the quick win, just 1 minute and 30 seconds. That match was taped back on March 11th in Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio Center. And Outback doing two, maybe the third job here on TV, and it's already relegated to primetime over the course of a three-month period. Not looking good for old Outback. As we move on, it's promo time here on Primetime Wrestling. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the Birdman, Coco Beware. It's exciting. One of the most electrifying men in the World Wrestling Federation. You know who I'm talking about. Bring him in right now. He is none other than the Birdman, Coco Beware, with Frankie and Frankie a little wild this week. I'm telling you, brother, Frankie's not the only one that's a little wild. The Birdman, Coco Beware, is a little wild because I feel, I feel so good, brother, because I got Danny Davis, brother. I'm going to do the Bulldogs a favor because, you see, Danny Davis, when he was a referee, brother, he was a no good, he was a no good scoundbooker. He would cheat all kind of ways, brother. But now, Danny Davis, brother, you're going to have to come home and come home and you're going to have to go for what you know, brother. Because, brother, I walk down the back street. Now we're going to see how tough you are, Danny Davis. You want to be a wrestler, brother, while well, you stepping in the ring with the Birdman, brother. And you better be in the best shape of your life. Wait a minute, Coco. Yeah. I am going to caution you. Frankie, take it easy. I'm going to caution you, Coco, that now Danny Davis is with the Hart Foundation. You know, the World Wrestling Federation, when he was a referee, terminated him. They fired him for incompetence. He is now picking up on all of the questionable tactics of the Hart Foundation, and that's something you're going to have to deal with. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I have a whole lot of respect for the Hart Foundation because they are the world's champion, and you got to give them credit, brother, because they are the world's champion right here in, in the World Wrestling Federation. And Danny Davis, you are nobody, brother, so you can hide, you can run, but Danny Davis, brother, when it's all said and done, brother, I'm still going to put the bird all over you. All right, it's always fun to hear from the Birdman. And this promo was taped in London, Ontario. The Birdman talking about dangerous Danny Davis. And these guys will wrestle each other a lot here in 1987. And remember last week, Bobby Heenan celebrating his one-year anniversary as the quote-unquote host of primetime wrestling? Well, this week, Gorilla Monsoon presents Heenan with a giant one-year anniversary cake. But Gorilla gets a call from the bakery. The new baker used baking soda instead of flour. The cake's no good. The fuck bakery did he use? The baker doesn't know the difference between baking soda and flour? But Bobby isn't buying it. He's not falling for that trick, Monsoon. Bobby then leans over to take a good whiff of the cake. He's going to smell the cake. And apparently if he sniffs the cake, he'll be able to tell if the cake is real or not. But as Bobby leans down to get a big whiff of the cake, the phone rings across the desk. And Gorilla Monsoon reaches over the back of Bobby Heenan's head and accidentally shoves Bobby's face down into the cake. Oh, those wacky hosts. More fun with Gorilla and Bobby Heenan again this week. But that's it for the sound bites from primetime. So we move on to the following weekend with WWF Superstars April 25th. Tape back March 21st, Las Vegas, Nevada. Thomas and Max Center. Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary. As we kick things off with a pre-recorded promo from Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. They say they're young and they're up-and-comers and they're ready. Look out to all the tag teams out there, but especially their opponents today, who just happen to be Axe and Smash of Demolition. So once again, Paul Roma refers to the team as up-and-comers. Vince McMahon replies on commentary, Yeah, we're going to find out just how up-and-coming they are, pal. 
Vince McMahon sort of mocking them there as we head to the ring. It is Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers scheduled to take on Demolition with Mr. Fuji in their corner. Let's see how this new team, this new up-and-coming team fares against Axe and Smash here. As it's at this point, I realize that Smash has moved away from the yellow and black smears of paint on his bicep to hide his tattoo. Now just wearing an arm pad instead, we get an insert promo from Demolition and Mr. Fuji. They talk the team of Powers and Roma. Fuji says, beautiful and handsome team will look like Frankenstein when the Demolition are done with them. And we'll have to see about that, boy-san. Now, as for the future Young Stallions, Demolition, not exactly the best team to get going against if you're looking for a push. As Demolition obliterates Jimmy Powers early on in the match, Paul Roma finally tags in, but immediately misses a dropkick on Smash, and it's Demolition Decapitation time. The demos get the win in just 2 minutes and 23 seconds, and all three of the announcers said, They expected more from the soon-to-be Stallions, but they were no match against the monster team who was really hitting their stride right now, is Demolition. It was indeed Demolish and Destroy for the demos here this week. And as for Roma and Powers, gotta start somewhere, I suppose. As we then cut to a young lady with WWF Federette-style makeup on, eating an ice cream bar in the front row. Clearly a plant to advertise the ice cream. No shame in his game, Vince McMahon. As we head off to Update with Craig DeGeorge this week, it's on Dangerous Danny Davis. We hear a promo from Danny saying that by now we've learned what kind of wrestler that he is. Davis offers wrestlers to stand in line for matches. He's not afraid of anybody. And don't worry, he won't hurt you. Oh, Danny, you might have to pay for those words. As we're off to yet another promo. This time it's Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Leaping Lanny Poffo who has a poem for us all. A young man that I've got so much respect and admiration for, certainly one of the great ones in the World Wrestling Federation today, hails from Donners Grove, Illinois. Come on in, if you would, please. Leap and Lanny Poffo, and welcome once again to the superstars, coast to coast and border to border. Lanny, of course, the level of competition just seems to get better and better all the time here in the World Wrestling Federation. That's right, and thank you very much, Mean Gene. Of course, I don't have to worry about the competition because I am the competition. I have a little poem for you. When I was just a little leap, I'd try to get an autograph of all the greatest wrestlers at the time. Well, some of them weren't all that bad, but some were too important, and I knew right then and there that was a crime. Fame is such a fleeting thing, and if you let it swell your head, life has a way to take you down a notch. So many times I've seen a bum who used to live in glory. It's been that way since Heckenschmidt lost to Gotch. It doesn't really take much time to sign a piece of paper, and time is never wasted on a youth. We're equal in the eyes of God in spite of our publicity. I'll bet he's not impressed to tell the truth. All right, I thank you. The poet laureate of the World Wrestling Federation, Leapin' Lanny Poffo. You know, Lanny, you come up with a very important thing, and the one thing that I notice about you, the various arenas and coliseums and auditoriums that we travel in the World Wrestling Federation, if there's youngsters, I don't care, children of all ages, they come to you and, of course, ask for an autograph. You're the first to, to spend some time with them, and I've got to compliment you on that. Well, thank you very much, Bean Gene, and if you also are one of my favorites. Of course, I'm signing Frisbees right now, but... Sometime in the near future, there might just be a book of poetry on wrestling. Well, we'd be looking forward to that. And, of course, you got to keep the, the game sharp at all times because, as I said before, you're going to be meeting the biggest and the best here in the World Wrestling Federation. Leap and Laddy Popple, best of luck to you. Thank you very much. I love you all. Bye-bye. One of the great ones, Laddy Popple. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more after this. Laddy Popple saying when he was a little leap, not going to lie, made me laugh. 
He talks about Heck and Schmidt losing to Gotch. Wow, talk about a throwback there. Good little lesson there from Leaping Lanny Poffo. Poffo also advising the other wrestlers, don't be douchebags. Sign those autographs for the fans. And of course, this was pre-eBay, however. As we move on, Tito Santana in the ring taking on Eddie Dean. Dean, an Arizona mainstay for the past five years at this point. Jesse Ventura on commentary claims that Tito isn't from Tecula, Mexico, but rather Tijuana. Jesse knows because he saw Tito with a vending stand there selling nasty enchiladas. Oh, Jesse. And a fun fact, guys, Tecula, Mexico doesn't even exist. One night in the garden, I do believe it was Howard Finkel who mispronounced Toluca, referred to it as Tecula, and it just stuck. As the match gets going, Santana against Eddie Dean, we get an insert promo from the natural Butch Reed and the doctor of style Slick. Slickster says Tito humiliated him, ripping Slick's clothes off at WrestleMania 3, and for that, Santana must pay, as the natural Butch Reed plans to take him out. And Reed tells Slick, don't worry about the money, he will defend his manager's honor. Butch Reed's still gunning for Tito Santana. As we go back to the match, Eddie Dean, not very good here, leading to Tito having to hold him in chin locks and headlocks for most of the match, and then it's the flying forearm gets the win for Santana as the crowd sadly doesn't make a sound. Nevertheless, Santana picking up the win here. Arriba! Two minutes and 59 seconds. As we're off to Mean Gene Okerlund, I discussed comments made by Slick and Butch Reed just a few moments ago, but now we're going to hear from Tito Santana. One gentleman that has certainly proven himself to be a very durable, very durable athlete, and one of the premier pieces of talent in the World Wrestling Federation is my guest at this time from Tecula, Mexico, Tito Santana. Tito, you have been on a roll for a number of years in the World Wrestling Federation, but the strange thing about it all is the competition, the opposition, seems to be getting bigger and better all the time. You've had your thing with Butch Reed, and now all of a sudden this Danny Davis is coming out of left field from, from being a referee to being a professional wrestler as part of the Hart Foundation. Well, that's exactly right, Jim. You know, uh, the, speaking of Butch Reed, you know... Uh, one of the toughest individuals, one of the toughest professional wrestlers we have in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation that's come around in quite a while. Managed by Slick. Slick, I've told you once and I'm going to tell you again. You stick your nose in my business and something's going to happen to you and it's not going to be good. As far as Denny Davis goes, this is a man that I'm looking forward to step into the ring against, Mean Gene, for a lot of reasons. Oh, I, I know the reasons. He's been sticking his nose, not only in my business, in the Bulldogs' business, wherever he can stick his nose in, he managed to create a lot of dust. Now you're stepping into a different world, Denny Davis, into the ring with Tito Santana. I'm going to enjoy giving him a little wrestling lesson to show you, Denny Davis, that it's a lot different, my man wearing a striped shirt as a referee when we have to hold back and we are not able to smack you in the face or in the nose. Tito, how about, oh, he's how, a wrestler, Gene. How, how about a little uh, Spanish, if you would, please? Saludos a toda la gente por todo el mundo. Me siento muy orgulloso y le doy las gracias por el apoyo que me dan donde quiera que entra Tito Santana Ring. Los veo muy pronto. Arriba! Oh, you gotta love it. He is one of the great ones here in the World Wrestling Federation, Tito Santana. All right, so Santana has a couple of names on his mind, one being the natural Butch Reed. He's not done with Butch Reed and Slick just yet, but he also has his eyes on Danny Davis, and I would imagine, especially after WrestleMania three, not exactly the greatest list of characters to go after, Tito, but at least they have plans for you, it would seem. 
And the promo party continues from there. We hear from Luscious Johnny V next. And Vince actually referenced this last week during that Can-Ams match. Remember when they kicked off with the Can-Am Connection match last week and Vince McMahon mentioned words from Johnny V and I said we'd get back to it? Well, here it is, airing a week later. Comments that Vince McMahon claimed he heard last week. It's Johnny V talking about Brutus Beefcake. He says even Luscious Johnny can beat Brutus Beefcake in the ring. So safe to say Adrian Adonis almost all but gone at this point. Johnny V now offering his services as a wrestler in the ring to take on Brutus Beefcake. And that'll be upcoming in the month of May as we go back to the ring. It's the Hockey Talk Man with Jimmy Hart in his corner taking on Tommy Sharp. I feel like we've seen this a couple times before. Once again, the heels remind you to ban the DDT. Jimmy Hart carrying the sign. Hockey Talk Man picking at that guitar on the way to the ring as we get an odd second promo today during a match. But instead of the insert promo up in the corner, it overtakes the entire screen before the match gets going. Hockey Talk Man once again pleading, asking everyone, send in your cards, send in your letters to help ban the DDT. And while some of the insert promos still act as just insert promos up in the corner, we've already seen the Young Stallions earlier and now the Honky Talk Man. They get full screen promos and then it slowly moves up into the insert in the corner, I guess to get your full attention. And no surprise here though, Butch Reed, his insert promo, he just got the little corner treatment. And if I do remember correctly, it's been a while, but things didn't go too well the last time these two men met, Honky Talk Man and Tommy Sharp. Honky drilled Sharp three times with the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker, including post-match on the arena floor. And it's no different here this week. Middle rope fist drop, channeling his cousin Jerry Lawler here, is the Honky Tonk Man. And it's shake, rattle, and roll time. The neckbreaker ends it, three minutes and seven seconds. Another win for the Honky Tonk Man. And speaking of Honky Tonk and Colonel Jimmy Hart, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland, standing by with these two men. All right, there's a break in the action, and I want to bring in the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart James, my boy. Band Come on in. Ban this DDT, baby. Ban this DDT. What are you talking about, you little cheerleading twat? What, what in the world? What does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. The BDT. Look, you got me so excited. I feel like an elephant sitting on What are you talking about? You know what a BDT. You know, tell him, Honky Tonk. Guy's a basket case. That says, ban the DDT. Long live rock and roll. Long live the shake, rattle, and roll. Long live the honky tonk man and Colonel Jimmy Hart. Get rid of the DDT. That's what we want all the fans to be saying from now on. Ban the DDT. Send the cards and letters out. Send them to the WWF. We want to get rid of the DDT. No more Jake the Snake. No more DDT. But I just, uh, I find it very hard to believe that they would ever ban the DDT without perhaps taking a second look at your shake, rattle, and roll. There's nothing wrong with a shake, rattle, and roll because that's what the people want. That's what all of my fans in the WWF want. Is they that want what, to is see that the what, shake, what pe- rattle, Peggy, and roll. Peggy Lou wants? That's Peggy Sue, and Peggy, Peggy Sue. Sue loves to see the shake, rattle, and roll. She likes to see it, especially on Saturday night when a honky-tonk man is winding down from a long, hard week. You, Peggy Sue likes to see the honky-tonk man shake, rattle, and roll throw, on Sunday morning when I'm getting ready to go to church. You, you throw a few quarters in a jukebox on a, on a good Saturday night, do you, Honky Tonk? You better believe it. I throw them in there by the handful because I'm going to ban the DDT. We're going to get rid of Jake the Snake Roberts. The Honky Tonk Man Shake, Rattle, and Roll is going to dominate the World Wrestling Federation for once and for all. The snake is going down. There will be no more DDT. I want all of my fans that supported me in ban the past the to please, ban please send those boats in. Ban the DDT. 
Gentlemen, apparently you have a cause. Stay tuned. We're going to be back after this. All right. They continue to reiterate, ban the DDT. Send in your cards and letters, folks. Continue to show you to show your support for the Honky Tonk Man. And back to the ring for tag team action involving the Killer Bees, taking on the team of Steve Lombardi and Iron Mike Sharp. As we get a good shot here of referee happy Jack Kruger, always smiling Jack Kruger, or not. As the Bees dominate the match, Vince McMahon repeatedly calls Jumpin' Jim Brunzy during this match. Ha <laughs> ha, go get him, Brunzy, yeah! And holy shit, we get an insert promo, this time from Steve Lombardi and Iron Mike Sharp, as they crap all over the team of Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma, when everyone knows that it's Mike Sharp and Lombardi. They are the real next up-and-coming tag team. Oh my, a job guy tag team feud, possibly in the works here. Back to the action, Brian Blair whips Iron Mike into the ropes for a Brunzel dropkick. And the Bees score the win here in just 3 minutes and 25 seconds. So much for up and coming. Though Lombardi and Sharp now share a win-loss record with Roman Powers thus far. And speaking of which, you do realize the focus of this segment was on two job guy tag teams, not the Killer Bees, which has to be concerning if you're a bee. And up next, it's finally here, guys. It's the final installment, part four of the Ken Patera story. Kenny Patera has been let out of prison. Last week, we had heard that Ken Patera had been sentenced to two years in prison. But today, today, Ken Patera becomes a free man, having paid his debt to society. Welcome back, Ken. Thank you very much, Gene. Thank God I'm free at last. You know, I'm free in more ways than one because I'm no longer motivated by the false promises of a Bobby Heenan. Sold me down the river, Heenan. You thought I was finished. Everybody thought I was finished, but I fooled everybody. I'm back. Bigger and stronger than ever. Everybody gave up on me, Heenan, including you. You sold me down the river. Nobody thought I could make a comeback. But I'm back, Heenan, and I'm back for good. I'm coming back to prove two things. One, that as low as I was, as far down as I had gone, I missed the birth of my baby daughter. I missed my friends. I missed my family. I was sold out completely, but I'm proving that you can come back. And secondly, that I'm gonna make an example of myself for everybody to be proud of and for everybody to follow. Having paid my debt to society in full, I pledge to somehow make it right and to set an example in the ring and out of the ring for all to see. All right, and all four parts of the Kim Patera story are on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. Make sure you subscribe. Check everything out there that we add each and every week. But to set a visual for you here on the show, Mean Gene standing in front of the prison gates as Kim Patera steps outside in street clothes, free at last. From there, we see Kim Patera working out in the gym, getting in quote-unquote ring shape. He's back, bigger and stronger than ever. Bobby Heenan, you sold him down the river. And now Patera is back for revenge. Ah, yes, sweet revenge. Probably not the best look on life after getting out of prison, but what do you expect from a guy who fought a police force over a cheeseburger craving? Nevertheless, Patera has paid his debt to society and will make an example for everyone to follow. By exacting revenge and trying to break someone's neck? I don't know about that. And speaking of which, we're off to Mean Gene Okerlund as he interviews Bobby the Brain Heenan, 
the brain comments on the release from prison of Ken Patera. Well, we saw what Ken Patera had to say there. Um, I'm sure standing by, we're going to hear a different point of view now because we have with us Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. All right, Bobby Heenan, as you know, I am covering the Ken Patera story and, and what a story it is. You know, he feels that you've had a tremendously negative influence on his life over the past no. couple of years. As a matter of fact, Bobby Heenan, he holds you personally responsible for the recent troubles that he's experienced. <laughs> Patera, if anything, I'm responsible for putting your name on the map in wrestling. I'm responsible for you making a good living. When I found you, all you had was a handful of little Olympic medals, something like Cub Scouts wearing their uniforms. You don't blame me for anything that you did. You did it, pal. You're the big mouth. You're the one that thinks you're so big and bad. Don't blame me for a thing. Wait a minute, Heenan. You consider yourself one of the most articulate managers in all of professional sports, yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, how about this? How about you debating Ken Patera? Would you consider that? Be glad to. Would you entertain that? Anytime. A debate with Ken Patera? You got it. You're promising me that? Name it. Okay, get ready for this. A debate between Ken Patera and Bobby Heenan next week right here. It will happen. So Ken Patera finds Bobby Heenan responsible for many of his misfortunes. Heenan is responsible for making Ken Patera a top star in professional wrestling. Patera was a mere amateur when he met the brain. Mean Gene suggests a debate on TV as Bobby Heenan agrees to it. And Gene sets the date. So next week on Superstars, it will be the great debate between Kim Patera and Bobby the Brain Heenan. I, for one, can't wait for that. But one thing I can wait for, but unfortunately it's in front of my face, it's our next matchup, a tag team match, as the team of Black Jack Mulligan and Billy Jack Haynes take on Dave Wagner and Rick Rinslow. And what an odd pairing. Haynes and Mulligan make here. And we heard from Roman Powers. We've heard from Sharp and Lombardi. Can we get a trifecta? A Renslow Wagner promo, perhaps? Nope, wasn't meant to be. Mulligan and Haynes come out, though, to Blackjack's steam whistle music. It's Blackjack and Billy Jack, as Vince McMahon says, Jacks are better. It appears McMahon has coined a new tag team name. Ha <laughs> ha, I made a funny, pal. As the match gets going, we get an insert promo from the outlaw Ron Bass. Bass wants to see Mulligan's old lady, Sarah Joe Puckett. On commentary, Vince McMahon says he would like to see her as well. Jesse Ventura then ponders if Sarah Joe walks on two legs or four. More comedy on commentary as we get back to the ring. And you know, they put more time into this quote-unquote feud between Bass and Mulligan than half the other shit going on right now. Really strange stuff. But Vince has always loved that quote-unquote comedy, pal. As we finally head back to the ring for action, the babyfaces show off their strength, throwing the job guys around the ring early on, and then it's Mulligan with the big back elbow getting the quick win for the team, thank God, in just 1 minute and 51 seconds. Sadly, though, we'll never see old Sarah Joe Puckett. Mulligan's got about one more TV match to go before he's gone. As we head back to the ring for our closing match this week on Superstars, Six-man tag team action. But before we get to the match, as promised, Hacksaw Jim Duggan arrives at ringside, but not as a wrestler, but rather a spectator. Duggan arrives at ringside for his front row seat. He purchased the ticket himself, specifically for this feature match involving the Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Tough guy. As we head to the ring, it is the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and the Natural Butch Reed, all with their manager, the Doctor of Style Slick, taking on the team of Siviafi, as well as Haku and Tama, the Islanders. 
And as we get things going, Nikolai tries to sing that Russian national anthem, but Hacksaw Duggan jumps the guardrail and chases the heels out of the ring with his trusty 2x4, tough guy. So wait, so not only can he bring a 2x4 to his seat, but as a spectator, he can attack the wrestlers? That's legal? Duggan then shows his ticket to the referee and the crowd as he begins a giant USA chant with the crowd. What a magical ticket this is. I want one of these special tickets. Meanwhile, Duggan sent back to his seat as the action gets going. Haku on fire early against everyone on the heel side. Haku looking awesome here, but then Siviafi tags in and the babyface team goes to shit. After just a little bit though, Tama tags in, gives it a try, but gets triple teamed in the heel corner and he has to make the tag back to Haku. Hot tag to Haku really quick into the match and Haku takes out all three heels. No shocker there. And I accidentally wrote 33 heels here, but Haku could have probably done that too. Haku, however, makes the mistake of tagging Siviafi back into the ring, who runs right into a Butch Reed gorilla press. Reed slamming Afi down to the mat, and it's all over just that fast. Two minutes and 52 seconds. I wrote, well, that sucked. Expected a lot more out of this matchup. But it's all about the pre- and post-match antics as the heels begin a beatdown on the babyface team except for Haku, he's holding his own here. But it all leads to Hacksaw Jim Duggan jumping back in the ring and clearing house of the bad guys as we get yet another insanely loud USA chant to close the segment. Hacksaw Duggan is O-V-E-R over here with the WWF crowd. Another big segment for Hacksaw Jim Duggan as he continues to feud with the evil heel alliance of Sheik and Volkoff. But we head off now to another promo Mean Gene Oakland standing by with that comedic duo of Hillbilly Jim and Outback Jack. All right, I want to bring in at this time a couple of uh, special people, you might say, in the World Wrestling Federation. I like their free spirit, their attitude. Come on in from Mudlick, Kentucky, Hillbilly Jim to my immediate left here. And from, what is the name of that town again? Come on in, Outback Jack in the Northern Territories of Australia. G'day, Humpty Doo, mate. Humpty-doo, Humpty-doo. Yeah. That's right. a little like Mudlick, right? Oh, it's a whole lot like Mudlick, what we and this fellow have been talking about. He's just no country boy, too. Yeah. He's just from a different country. That's right, mate. You know, the two of you have a lot of things in common. That is a very modest little community that, of course, Hillbilly Jim hails from. And Humpty-doo, I guess would have to, you'd have to say, it is a very modest little community. Oh, also. mate, it's got 40 people, a pub, a post office, and a petrol station. I see. Well, what about what about the food down there? Is there anything special that you Outback Jack like in terms of food? Oh, mate, you've got to have your barbecue goanna on Sunday, Arvo. A barbecue? Goanna. Goanna. Yeah, beaut stuff, mate. Oh, it's look, great. What would you have on a Sunday afternoon down at Mudley, Kilbilly Jim? Well, uh, we don't do too much barbecue down there. We have a lot of good fried stuff. We like that good home fried chicken and stuff like that. But uh, sometimes if we're going to have a real special layout and Granny fills up to it, we might have a, we might start off with some hors d'oeuvres, like some, some fr- fr- fried uh, possum fritters uh, in some good, uh, good grease, some good lard there. We might uh, start off with a few of them uh, chitlins. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes we barbecue them too, but not very much. And we have some good corn pone with some crackling there. You ever had any crackling? Uh, nah, what's crackling? Well, it comes from a pig, and you put it in your cornbread. It makes that cornbread kind of crackle like it. It's real good. I'm going to get you made of it. Don't worry. Mate, I told no, you. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what we'd start with. What do you start with an hors d'oeuvre? A horse's duver or something? No, uh, no. No, what we'll do, I'll tell you, we'll start, we'll start with some barbecued witchetty grubs. Tastes like walnuts. They're great. you got to put them in backwards, because that way they won't crawl back out, see, because you can eat them live, you know. Oh, my word. I'll well, tell you what. Great stuff. Wait a minute. Where I come from, Jack, we don't eat, we don't eat too much stuff alive. All of our stuff is officially dead. 
Officially dead, Yes, right. sir. Well, I'll shoot well. it up there in the backyard. Sometimes squirrels or, or possums, or sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll shoot a big old rabbit back there. You know, I like rabbits, and sometimes we have a little crow, too, sometimes. And if you really want a good specialty, get you some of them deviled hawk eggs. I'm going to bring you some of them deviled hawk eggs. They is fine. Barramundi's the best fish you can get. Man. Oh, Barramundi, I had it when I was in Australia. Did you? Yes, and on Tuesday, I forget what we had. That's <laughs> neither here. You got that, I got right? that one. <laughs> I've been around here for a while. You'll understand yeah, directly. Yeah. Uh, will I? Yes. Oh, hey, you know what I think the two of you should do is please get together. That sounds like a great trip. And I, I'm very curious. Are we going to see the two of you in action together? Possibly another great tag team here in the World Wrestling Federation? Might that be bloody great. What well, let me think? tell you something. If I've got anything to say about it, I'll say yes, because this is some kind of feller. I knew when I laid eyes on this big critter here, he's going to do some damage right here in the World Wrestling Federation. I'll you know tell you mean? what, they are a couple of big ones from Australia. I'll back Jack. And, of Say course, I... from Mudlick, Kentucky, one of the most popular men, Hillbilly Jim. All right, the two men from Mudlick, Kentucky, and Humpty Doo, Australia. Country boys from different countries. More talk of barbecued goanna here and possum fritters and chitlins this time. A and crackling, too. And for those wondering what crackling is, it's kind of like a pork rind of sorts that crackles, hence the name. Outback Jack, make sure you eat those witchetty grubs backwards so they don't crawl back up out your throat and out of your mouth, mate. Gene thinks this might be a new great tag team here in the WWF, and we already have 20, so why not another? Was this promo uneventful? Yes, but I had to listen to it, so you did too. Next week here on Superstars, the live debate between Bobby Heenan and Kim Patera. Plus, we'll see Adrian Adonis' final match here on TV in the WWF, and we learn that Brutus Beefcake will go one-on-one -on -one with his former manager, luscious Johnny V. Let's hear from both sides. I can't wait to get you, Johnny V. I've had it up to here with your When I get you in the ring next week, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to do the strut up and down your spine like I've never done it before. Well, I heard Beefcake that you want some of the luscious JV. Well, let me tell you something, Beefcake. If you want Johnny V, I'm right here. Let me tell you something. If you know how to do the strut up and down somebody's spine, it's because Johnny V taught you. I taught you everything you know. I haven't taught you everything that I know, baby. Let me tell you something. Next week, it's JV and a beefer. Oh, yeah. We look forward to Johnny V versus Beefcake plus the live debate and all the stars. We're here next week for the superstars of wrestling. All right, and Beefcake getting a bleep here on TV. Wonder what he said. I'll have to go back and look. While the manager, Johnny V, says he taught Beefcake everything that he knows, but not everything that Johnny V knows. Valiant, not afraid of Eye, it would appear here, as they go one-on-one -on -one next week. And hopefully this angle will give the Brutus character the much-needed push that it needs. He hasn't been in the ring since WrestleMania that I can recall anyway. So Hacksaw Jim Duggan well on his way up the babyface ladder. And the WWF hoping that Brutus Beefcake not far behind. And Beefer going to make his first appearance on TV that I can think of outside of promos, that is. As I said, since WrestleMania 3. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the crowd reacts to Brutus Beefcake live and in person. As he goes one-on-one -on -one with his former manager next week on Superstars. And we move on to Wrestling Challenge for April 26th. Tape back March 22nd. Phoenix, Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, yet again on commentary, and we head off to the ring for the K&M Connection, or the Can-Am Connection for the rest of us, Gorilla. 
It is Rick Martell and Tom Zink taking on the team. Once again, Iron Mike Sharp teaming with Steve Lombardi. We may have something going here. As we get an insert promo early on in the match from Mr. Fuji. And apparently his team of Kamala and Sika are coming for the pretty boy Can-Ams. As we go back to the ring for action, the connection control most of the match. Tom Zink even busts out a missile dropkick off the top rope on Lombardi. As the heels get a couple of chances on the offense, but make some mistakes and it's back to the baby faces in control. Fun enough though. From there, Rick Martell gets the hot tag and he is on fire. Tom Zink busts out the power slam. Martell with the slingshot splash picks up the win in just three minutes and 12 seconds. Another win for the K&M Connection. Yes, the Can-Am Connection pick up another one here on Wrestling Challenge as we're off to Wrestler's Rebuttal with Craig DeGeorge. He has Brutus Beefcake standing by. Beefert calling out everyone, Adrian Adonis, Johnny V, the new Dream Team, ready to take on all comers as the brand new babyface is the future booty, 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 booty man, dude, Brutai. And as we already know, a lot more coming from Beefcake in the month of May, but we head back to the ring for Billy Jack Haynes as he takes on Tiger Chung Lee here this week. We get an insert promo from the mighty Hercules who says he's going to use his chain on Billy Jack. And we head back to the ring. Tiger Chung Lee, some generic heel offense early on in the matchup, but Billy Jack Haynes recovers and sends Tiger upside down in the corner. But from there, Chung Lee completely botches, taking a backdrop, falling over to the side. But Billy Jack Haynes ends this thing the full Nelson to pick up the win in just two minutes. And so I just touched on the ongoing feud between Billy Jack Haynes and the mighty Hercules. So now we're going to send you off to Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And you guessed it, Hercules. All right, fans, stay tuned. More exciting World Wrestling Federation action right around the corner. Hercules, come on in, if you will, managed by this gentleman, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Okay, Billy Jerk. You want to play with change? You want to think you're tough? Try this on for size, Jerk. Billy Jack Haynes, nothing between us has been settled. The war still continues. When the moon is full and at its peak, I don't care what Coliseum, anywhere in the country, anywhere around the world. Billy Jack Haynes, this time there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to run, and there's nowhere to hide. All I got to do is get you on the other end of this chain. If you're not scared to get on it, and I've got you. Are you suggesting a chain match for your man, Bobby Heenan? That's right. Let's see how tough he is. Let's see if he's got the ability. Let's see if he's got it right in here to get in the ring. Strap one wrist to a piece of chain and strap the other wrist to a piece of chain with this man on the other end. Then, Mr. Jerk, what are you going to do? You're going to think you're being towed away by AAA because it's all over for you, pal. This is what's going to settle it. The chains that can only be broken by one man, and that's Hercules. You know, you might be a little overly optimistic there, Bobby Heenan. Certainly, you cannot uh, downgrade the physical stature and the tremendous strength of Billy Jack Haynes. Oh, no, the man is strong, very, very strong. But he's not bright. But he's not as strong as this man. He's not as smart as this man. And he doesn't have it in here where it takes and where it counts. What do you mean he's not bright? You should be the last person in the world talking about who's bright these days. I am bright these days. Bright, bright these bright, days. Yes, I am bright these days. Right. And this man's a winner these days. And Billy Jack is a casualty. That's right. Billy Jack Haynes, don't forget, I pulled the lightning bolts from the sky. I can break these. All right, and Hercules challenging Billy Jack Haynes to a chain match. It'll settle the feud once and for all. Can't wait till they get into those. 
From there, we get a replay, the same thing we saw on Superstars of Hillbilly Jim and Outback Jack discussing their country cuisine. So they're clearly trying to start to put these two together. We've seen these silly promos on Superstars Wrestling Challenge primetime at this point. So the idea was definitely there. And it's back to the ring. More action, this time involving the tag team champion Hart Foundation, accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart and dangerous Danny Davis, taking on the team of Joe Murdo and second-generation star Nick Kaniski. Here this week, we get an insert promo from Danny Davis. He says the reason that he corners the Hart Foundation is because of the awful officiating here in the WWF. That is the pot calling the kettle black. Danny Davis promised by being at ringside, he will keep things right. Then back to the ring, it's Nick Kaniski looking good early on against the Anvil, but makes the mistake of tagging in Murdo, and it's all downhill from there. It's a heart attack, and the Hart Foundation will pick up a win here in just a couple minutes of action. Post-match, though, we see Jim Neidhart sending Kaniski out of the ring. Kaniski taking the flare flip into the corner over to the apron and to the outside. Pretty cool there. And Danny Davis kicking at poor Joe Murdo while he's down. The WWF clearly hasn't given up on Davis just yet. And speaking of Danny Davis, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland once again. This time he's standing by with Coco Beware. He's going to talk a little more about his upcoming matches against Danny Davis. All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back to more rough and tumble World Wrestling Federation action. You know, I get so cranked on by this young man. He is possibly one of the most exciting electrifying people I have seen. Hey, whoa, well, wait a minute here. In a World Wrestling Federation, I believe it's from, is it, is it Union City, Tennessee, or Johnson City? Hey, it's Union City, brother. I'm telling you, Union City. That's the Tennessee. All right, Coco, beware. Red Hot in a World Wrestling Federation. And this league, i got to tell you, is on fire anyway. Well, you know what I'll tell you one thing, mean I'm fired up, brother, because I feel so good, brother. It makes me want to walk right. It makes me want to talk right. Every time I get inside that square circle, I love to do my thing, brother. Because the people, they're all behind the bird. It's just like fire. I say it's like fire. Shut up in my bone. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if we could take yeah. a break here. I like that plastic collection plate. No, seriously. Let's talk about a yeah. couple of... Of uh, some members of the World Wrestling Federation. What about this Danny Davis, a former referee? Now all of a sudden he's part of the Hart Foundation. Well, you see one thing. I'm not worried about Danny Davis. You see, Danny Davis, he's nothing but a stepping stone. He's hiding behind the Hart Foundation. But I want to tell you one thing, Davis. I'm not a hard person to find. If you want the bird, man, brother, all you got to do. I said, all you got, you got to, to do. do. Oh, you got to sign your name on the dotted line, brother, because. I'm waiting on you, Danny. Shoot your best shot, brother. What, what I about feel a, so good. What about it, Frankie? What about it, Frankie? Ow! Hallelujah! I got to get out of here, Mean Gene. I got to go do the bird, brother. Oh, he is cooking. Oh, yeah. He is cooking. He is something else. The bird is something. I like the bird, too. Great bird. Frankie Beware. Coco Beware, one of the greats of the World Wrestling Federation. And, of course, he's going to be coming to town in the very near future. Don't you dare miss him. We're right back. Stay tuned. All right, so Davis showing no fear. We've heard from Danny Davis for several weeks now, calling out all the competition. Stand in line. I'll take you down one at a time. And don't worry, guys, Danny Davis won't hurt you. Well, Coco Beware says, sign the dotted line and bring it to the former referee as we head back to the ring. And up next, we've got an unusual match for WWF TV. It's the Battle of the Babyfaces. Two babyface tag teams ready to square off. On one side, it's Jacques and Raymond, the fabulous Rougeau brothers, taking on the team of Haku and Tama, the Islanders. So the Islanders in that six-man match on Superstars, 
Now they're wrestling the Rougeos here on Challenge, so the Islanders definitely getting a little more play here after WrestleMania. Very noticeable. And as the match gets going, it's quick tags from both sides of the ring early on, as is back and forth in a fun little match. Jacques with a monkey flip and sends Tama flying halfway, no, all the way across the ring. And as the match goes on, the Islanders slowly becoming more aggressive on the offense here. Raymond Rougeau looking for his finisher in Montreal, the sleeper hold, but Haku manages to escape the first attempt, but Ray does manage to lock in the sleeper on second try, and it appears Haku's in trouble, but it's Tama off the top rope to break it up. Right in front of the referee, Tama leaping off the top rope, driving a shot into the back of Raymond Rougeau to save his partner Haku there, and the Islanders take back over and continue to show their aggression. Tama with thrust shots to the face of Raymond, then yanking Ray down face first into the mat by his hair. Tama going for the cover, but Jacques Rougeau now in to break up the count, as the Rougeaus aren't going to stand by and let the Islanders walk all over them. Jacques Rougeau finally tags in with a dropkick on Tama and then locks in the abdominal stretch, but Haku in to break it up with a, a thrust shot to the throat, a chop right into the throat of Jacques Rougeau to break up that abdominal stretch. I wrote, wow, coming from a baby face? And at that point, Raymond Rougeau has seen enough. Now we get all four men in the ring, the legal Jacques and Tama, but now Raymond in to question Haku and his antics. As a shoving match begins between Haku and Ray, leads to a four-way melee as all four men wind up brawling in the ring and it's spilling out to the floor for a double countout. In six minutes and seven seconds, the bell sounds, but the two teams continue to brawl until they're separated by officials. So we saw this match in longer form with a similar outcome back a couple months ago at the Spectrum, also available on my YouTube channel. But a fun little TV match here that plants the seeds of a potential heel turn for at least one of these teams in the short term. And I love the story of the match here, though. Two clean-cut babyface teams becoming frustrated with their position on the card. They want a title shot, and they need this win here this week. The Islanders started here, but the Rougeos, they don't back down. And this is easily the best either team has looked thus far here in the WWF, in my opinion, anyway. I just love the story throughout the match, the subtlety of the aggression of the Islanders as the match went on. Tama eventually breaking up the Rougeau sleeper hold. Jacques coming in after that, breaking up a pinfall attempt by Tama. The match progresses. Jacques Rougeau then locks in the abdominal stretch on Tama. This time Haku coming in to break it up. But he doesn't just break it up. He stands back and takes that cheap thrust shot right to the throat of Jacques Rougeau. Raymond coming in then questioning Haku. Hey, was that really necessary? Everything breaks down, leads to the double countout. Both teams brawling after the bell. The fight continues on. Really good stuff. And even though the Rougeaus right now are paired with the new Dream Team, I'm far more interested in this. I would love to have seen this come back for a rematch. As we are off to the snake pit. This week, Jake Roberts' guest is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. These guys know strangers to one another from the Mid-South days not too long ago. Hacksaw out with his trusty 2x4 as Jake Roberts, no fool, takes a step back. Duggan even bends down to give a ho to Damien. Nice greeting there for Damien. Duggan says he wanted to bring Damien out something to eat, but they told him in the back, you can't do that on TV, Hacksaw. Duggan says he came here to the WWF after sitting at home and seeing the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov putting down America. Hacksaw goes on to say that he's seen a false message of Americans riding around in limousines, jet airplanes, wearing diamond rings. Sound familiar? 
Sounds like a shot at the Four Horsemen and specifically Nature Boy Ric Flair there. No, sir, Hacksaw is a real American. Duggan says he doesn't hang around in no discotheque talking about Zodiac signs and biorhythms. I wrote LMAO, hearing Jim Duggan talk about biorhythms in a discotheque. Unbelievable. No, sir, Jim Duggan is what America is all about. Hacksaw is here to beat people up. And he brought this 2x4 in as his equalizer to even the numbers against Sheik and Volkov. And as long as there is air in his lungs, blood in his veins. Hacksaw says that Volkov won't sing the Russian national anthem again. Tough guy. So Duggan running down the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, the foreigners, leading Jake Roberts to straight up ask Hacksaw, are you prejudiced? I wrote, LOL, what the fuck? Holy shit. Jake Roberts comes right out with the obvious question. Are you prejudiced? What the hell's wrong with you? Duggan says, no, he's not prejudiced, and leaves it at that. Wow, what an odd way to end this segment. It's not so crazy that Jake would ask the question. It's crazy that they left the question edited into the show. Just out of the blue, are you prejudiced? No, I'm not prejudiced. And they leave it at that as we go off to a replay, once again, of Sika eating the big dead fish. And it's to the ring as we see the team of Sika and the Ugandan headhunter Kamala, Mr. Fuji in their corner, Kimchi as well, taking on the team of Alex Knight and Special Delivery Jones. As we get an insert promo, remember earlier, it was Fuji challenging the Can-Am connection on behalf of Kamala and Sika. Well, now we get an insert promo from the Can-Ams as they respond here. Not only do they accept the challenge, but they challenge Kamala and Sika to a match right here next week on Wrestling Challenge. Boy, son. No, I'm serious. Tom Zink actually says, boy, son here. I wrote, ha, good stuff there from Tom Zink. As we go to the action, Special Delivery Jones has a bit of mild success here on Sika before tagging in Alex Knight, who gets destroyed here. Kamala then lands the big splash on Knight, ending the match in just one minute and 19 seconds. Kamala and Sika look ready for the Can-Am connection. As we're off to the Ken Patera story part four. Of course, it's the replay from Superstars. So we continue on with the action back to the ring. Closing out this week's edition of Wrestling Challenge, George the Animal Steel making what Vince calls a rare appearance in the ring here, taking on Jesse Cortez. And I should note that Bobby Heenan has left commentary for this segment. He actually left commentary heading into the Ken Patera story and boycott of airing the Ken Patera story, Bobby Heenan left commentary. He's not back for this one here involving the animal. So we get no mention of Bobby's thoughts on Patera until we get to primetime, that is. Now, as for this match, it doesn't take long. The flying hammerlock gets the win for George Steele in just 48 seconds. And post-match, the animal tackles the referee down, crawling on top of him before calling him nice and petting him on the head. Very creepy-looking stuff here from George Steele before finally letting the referee up. And you never know what you're going to get when George Steele is in the ring. As we close out Wrestling Challenge, one final promo this week, Mean Gene Oakland standing by this time with Lush's Johnny V and his brand new Dream Team. I'll tell you what a shocker, what an absolute bombshell. Johnny V, come on out. Oh, this is a new touch. I wonder if I can prevail upon our cameraman. Can you just pan down a little bit? I'd like to, like this. Am I throwing curve at you, pal? Oh, that's a split-finger fastball that you see right there on me right now. I, uh, you know something, folk? If you're out there waiting for a bus at 42nd Street and Broadway, you'd be in a situation probably where they'd have to have you uh, have a saliva test put on you. But let me tell you something right now. I want you people to feast your eyes on my creation, something I am so emphatically proud of, something that gives me a reason to dress like this, to talk like this, 
It gives me a reason to say, Johnny V, son boy, you've certainly done it again. I want to fact bring in. Come on in, boys. They're good boys. They're my boys. This is, in fact, the new dream team. Dino, wait a minute. Dino Bravo and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Go ahead. All right, right uh, I guess the, the new addition of this team, Dino now. Bravo from Montreal. Wait a second. There's something different about you, Dino. I don't... Well, forget about it. Uh, He's making Dino. money right now. The only thing is, I'm so proud. I've never felt so great in my life, you know. I've been following this man's career since I first started to wrestle. He's the only man in history of the World Wrestling Federation that held the World Tag Team Championship belt by himself because Beefcake was just a handicap to him. Oh. He has to cover all the mistakes. Yeah. Now that I'm combined with him, yeah. there is no limitation to what we can do, brother. And this is my dream team, and I love it. And we're going to go all the way, brother. All, 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 all right. The Greg the Hammer Valentine, all of a sudden, uh, Brutus Beefcake out the back door and Vito Bravo in the front, or vice versa. Well, you know, he was the weak link. Weak link? Not the missing link, but the weak, the weak link. link. Every time I tagged out to Fruitcake, and yes, I've waited a long time to call you Fruitcake. Fruitcake. For two years, I had to carry you in the wars that we had against the Bulldogs and all the other tag teams in the World Wrestling man. Federation. All hey, by man, myself. He saw it, and Johnny B saw it. And now Fruitcake. You're out by yourself looking in, but I'm telling you what, man. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror, when you're looking at that pretty face of yours, yeah. it's not going to be pretty very much longer because we're going to rearrange it. And you also better look at what's behind you in that mirror because a new dream team just might come sneaking up behind you. But oh, yes, remember, what do you call that backbreaker that you do? I call it the Canadian backbreaker. Let that? me tell you something, Canadian and this is a promise. This is going to be the most devastating team that a World Federation, Federation has ever seen. And I guarantee, Beefcake, this is only the beginning for you. Know, wait a minute. I'm proud of you, boys. Gino, I think I've got it. I've got uh, I, I think I finally figured it out, Johnny B. Yeah, come on, lay it on me, baby. I can't. Oh, shut up, Gene. Oh. Let me tell you something right now. You figure it out. Well, a lot of all right, and as I listened to that promo there with Johnny V, you know, people, n- namely Dave Meltzer, give Mr. Fuji shit as a manager, mostly for his promo skills, but Johnny V says a thousand times more words and makes even less sense than Fuji. In my personal opinion, Demolition leaving JV for Fuji was the best thing that could have ever happened for Accent Smash. Also during that promo, we hear Bravo calling his side suplex the Canadian backbreaker. Bravo and Valentine coming for the Rougeau brothers. And at the top of the show, the Can-Am Connection were in the ring. Kamala and Sika were looking for a fight. Later on in the show, we saw Kamala and Sika in the ring. The Can-Am Connection laying out the challenge. You want to fight? We'll fight you right here next week. When we close out this edition of Challenge, Craig DeGeorge in the back, standing by with Mr. Fuji, along with Kamala, Sika, Kimchi. Fuji accepts the challenge of the Can-Am Connection for right here next week. Fuji says that Sika will rip off their faces, grab their nose, and rip off their ears and mouths. Wow, pretty violent there for Mr. Fuji. Then Kamala will eat them. Jesus. So Sika going to rip off the Can-Am's faces, then Kamala is going to eat them. Whew, sounds rough. But the match is set for next week here on Wrestling Challenge. It will be the Can-Am connection taking on the team of Kamala and Sika. No doubt their toughest opponents to date here on TV. And that's no disrespect to Morocco and Orton, but Fuji clearly sending in new troops, perhaps looking for revenge for WrestleMania 3. And the grenade goes on. It's WWF Primetime Wrestling for April 27th. 
Once again, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And this week's edition kicks off with a tuxedo match, of all things, involving Hillbilly Jim over Mr. Fuji. And we come out of that match with this fun little soundbite. I love it. You know, he's got a score to settle yet with uh, one of your uh, family members. Fuji's mad at me? No, not Fuji. Talking about Hillbilly Jim and uh, King Kong Bundy. I mean, what happened in WrestleMania? That's correct. Bundy squashed a midget? Big deal. Big, Big deal. deal. You wouldn't like it if uh, somebody did that to you or to a member of your family, would you? It's the breaks. That's the breaks. It's the breaks. That's how I look That's at it. Breaks. That's the breaks. Well, it cost him five grand, and I'm sure you had to pay a portion of that. Well, we have an understanding that if you're fine... Well, maybe uh, you don't. Maybe you don't. I do have an The more I get into this Ken Patera thing, the more I realize that you guys have it all your way. What do you mean, us guys? You managers. managers. I don't know what any other manager does. That's his business. Well, I know what you do, My agree. No, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. You know how much I make from my man. Gorilla Monsoon saying that Hillbilly has a score to settle with King Kong Bundy. Bobby Heenan nonchalantly, he squashed a midget. Big deal. That's the breaks. We are to understand, at least by Gorilla Monsoon, that Bundy was fined $5,000 for smashing poor little beaver there. As we're off to yet another edition of Update featuring Craig DeGeorge this week, the topic, Dangerous Danny Davis. We actually touched on this promo not too long ago here on The Grenade, but this time we're going to take a listen to what Dangerous Danny has to say. Here's an update with Craig DeGeorge. And hi again. He was called by some the worst referee in the World Wrestling Federation. You've heard the comments. Biased. Cheater. Just plain lousy. And certainly just about the opposite of what an official is supposed to stand for. So should we be surprised that Danny Davis is wrestling annexed like ramming a megaphone into opponents' heads? Well, I guess by now, everybody knows what kind of wrestler Danny Davis is. Oh, and all you other wrestlers out there, don't be afraid. Step right up and sign on a dotted line for a match with Danny Davis. Oh, don't worry. I promise. I won't hurt you. <laughs> I take it that was a tongue-in-cheek comment. Now, on the other hand, Davis, of course, no longer protected in an official's outfit. He's a wrestler now, and opponents may not deal too kindly with him either. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. Danny Davis uh, certainly had a lot to say. A very, Confident uh, man. Tongue-in-cheek. He promised not to hurt anybody. Maybe not too bad. All right, and Davis telling his opponents, you guys don't have to worry. I won't hurt you. Somehow, I feel like it might be the other way around. Danny Davis, I hope you know what you're getting into here in the WWF. But the show continues on, and we come out of the Ken Patera story, part four. At this point, Patera has been released from prison. He's been in the gyms working out, and he's ready for his return. He's calling out Bobby the Brain Heenan. Well, there's somebody that's coming up right now in this particular point in the program that uh, is out to hurt somebody, physically, financially, in any way he can to make up for the two years of incarceration that Ken Patera had to go through, some of which was directly no. attributed to No, you. I will not take blame for anything that man did. Well. I will not be held responsible. In the ring, if I interfere, if I get caught, if I do something wrong, yes, I'll be the first one to say it When he backfired. became the Intercontinental Champion, you didn't take any acclaim for that either, right? I wasn't uh, associated with the gentleman at that particular time in his career. No, but uh, anything that he did, any of the acclimates that he had while he was under your tutelage, you don't want any credit for that either, right? Well, anything he earned in this sport is because of me, not because of anything he did. He's an amateur. He's a rank amateur. 
any professionalism that man showed, it's because he came off of my light, my shining light. Nothing he did. The lights weren't shining too brightly uh, where he was. Well, they don't, because lights are usually out at 5 o'clock. Last couple of years. Ken Patera with a vendetta for this man right here, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Let's go to the Ken Patera story, part Take four. Take his vendetta, you know he can do with it, too. Can't believe it. Kenny looked tremendous. The best I've ever seen him look in his entire career. And you didn't have a thing to do with it. But you were responsible and in, indirectly in a number of things that actually took two years away from the guy. You're going to poison all these humanoids' minds by telling them that over and over again. And I'm going to set the record straight now. I had nothing to do with what happened to this man. Anything he earned in this career, anything he got in professional wrestling is because of me. My mind, my attitude, and the way I directed him. What he did outside that ring is his business. He is a grown adult. He's older than me. He, he's on his own when the time is his. What do you do? Turn the attitude off once you leave the arena? I... I got him ready to get in that ring. I got that fire built under him. I made him a professional, not an amateur. Whatever he did outside that ring is Ken Patera's responsibility. And if I have to bring a whole crew of my attorneys in here, I'm going to do that. Because I'm tired of you and everybody else week after week you downgrading me. You brainwashed Ken Patera and told him that he could get away with anything he wanted to get away with because he was under your tutelage, in your stable, a member of your family. I could have taken his brain and washed it in a thimble. That's the kind of a mind he had. Patera, stay out of my face and my business. In all of Leave me alone, sports. Patera. Back with Don't us again. We'll be right back Leave with the Honky Talk Man. So Patera is released from prison. He's back in ring shape. Bobby Heenan responding, Ken Patera, you were on your own outside the ring. Number 59919. Bobby Heenan having no problem with his words for the ex-con. Of course, Bobby has the entire Heenan family behind him. Ken Patera has to remember that. But primetime rolls on. We get a primetime exclusive here this week. The Islanders. Wow, they're everywhere this week. The Islanders scoring a win over the team of the Gladiator, Rick Hunter. And Moondog Spot, Tama coming off the top rope on the Gladiator with that giant flying splash. The Islanders picking up the win in 5 minutes, 28 seconds. Now that match was taped all the way back February 16th in New Haven, Connecticut at the Coliseum. But the Islanders, man, a trifecta here this weekend. Working the six-man on Superstars. The Rougeos on Challenge, and they get a match here dedicated to them on primetime as well. And as we come out of that match, we hear from Bobby Heenan yet again. This time he gives his thoughts on the Islanders. Let's hear what the brain has to say about Haku and Tama. Well, Spotty and a gladiator didn't show me too much continuity, and they come up with a short end of the stick. But the Islanders are a very impressive team. Well, you know, the Islanders are lacking just a couple things from becoming champions. Yeah, like what? Well, they don't have... The belt, right? They don't no. have the belt. That's... Would you like to answer your own question? No, go ahead. But usually that's a remark that comes out of your mouth. No, go I'm going to speak very intelligently like I always oh. do. Make sure uh, we get a dub of this. Go ahead. What they're lacking is the instinct to hate. See, they go out there and they go through the routines. They've worked out constantly together. You can tell that. They're it's a obvious. good, solid team. But they don't really care about hurting anybody. They'd rather pin you. They'd rather do some fancy moves, which is all great. But they've, somebody has to install. The killer instinct. Right. That you installed into, instilled into Kempatera, that type of instinct. <sighs> Jeez. You can bet we uh, haven't heard the last of this by a long shot. In fact, uh, Alfred was just here a moment ago. Uh, Lord Alfred? Yes. We'll be back in a moment with our future. Is he still around here? I thought he moved up in the Okay, we've heard Bobby rip them in the past. Them being the Islanders, pronouns, pal, I know. 
He says here this week, the Islanders are lacking a couple things. Gorilla Monsoon thinks he's setting them up. What, the belts? No, no, Heenan's being serious this week. The brain's speaking very intelligently this week. On the Islanders, he says they're lacking that killer instinct, that instinct to hate. They want to be fancy, and they need someone to install that killer instinct within them. I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, Bobby Heenan can do something about that killer instinct. But time will tell. Speaking of time, we're out of time this week here on The Grenade. We wrap things up with April of 1987. We're moving into the month of May, and we kick things off next week with the May 2nd edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Yes, next week's Saturday Night's Main Event right here on The Grenade. Jake the Snake Roberts to go one-on-one with Ugandan headhunter the mighty Kamala. The Can-Am Connection will take on the team of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov And rumor has it that Jim Duggan has bought himself yet another ringside ticket for that one. Plus, in his first Intercontinental Championship defense, the new champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, will take on the challenge of the Mighty Hercules. From there, it's the World Tag Team titles on the line in a two-out-of-three-fall match as the former champions, the British Bulldogs, take on the current champions, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, the Hart Foundation. But that isn't all also on the card. A lumberjack match featuring the macho man Randy Savage taking on George the Animal Steel and what will prove to finally be the last match in their feud. That's right, it all comes to an end on this upcoming May 2nd edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Will the animal finally get Miss Elizabeth? Or will Randy Savage conquer George Steele as he looks for that rematch with Ricky Steamboat to get back what he feels is his Intercontinental title? Plus, for the first time since WrestleMania 3, we'll hear from both champion and challenger of the main event. Next week, we're going to hear from Bobby the Brain Heenan and Andre the Giant. Bobby thinks that Andre is the uncrowned WWF champion, and he claims he has video footage to prove it. And on the other end, Mean Gene Okerlund going to interview the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. We're going to hear a rebuttal from Hulk in regards to the claims made by one Bobby the Brain Heenan and, of course, Andre the Giant as well. All of that on the next edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. All of that covered at length on the next edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Can't wait to have you guys back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, just want to thank you once again for listening to yet another episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Episode 78, now in the books. Episode 79, right around the corner as we cover Saturday Night's Main Event as we head into the month of May. And just a reminder, a new season of Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, it's Raw versus Nitro on our Monday Warfare podcast. The new season will begin to drop soon, less than a week out from the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view where Hulk Hogan, along with Hall and Nash, create the NWO. Things really heating up there in the Monday Night War. And of course, I got to invite you guys to check out our brand new regional wrestling podcast where we talk the territories. We've already done a trilogy of episodes covering 1977 in the WWWF, along with my guest co-host for that one, John McAdam. And now we're just getting started. A brand new project over there. It's Bill Watts' UWF in 1986, along for the ride right now, guest co-host Roman Gomez, previously of the Mid-Atlantic Championship podcast. Having a great time talking about the Mid-South with Roman Gomez. And coming shortly to Regional Wrestling, a great interview I had with former Ring of Honor owner Kerry Silken as well. Kerry talked about his time growing up, discovering professional wrestling in 1966 in the New York market. Kerry talks about his early memories of professional wrestling in the late 60s, early 70s, 
and his first few trips to the matches, including his first time ever at Madison Square Garden. Great interview with Kerry Silken coming up. You don't want to miss. So be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's it. R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade for all the latest goings on in the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. Plus, I'm constantly adding new videos and pictures from wrestling history there as well. And speaking of wrestling videos, subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Lots of good stuff going up all the time there on our YouTube channel as I continue to preserve my VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And right now, as a nice complimentary piece to the UWF in 1986, I've been adding all of the UWF TV in 1986 to our YouTube channel. So be sure you can check that out there and so much more. And of course, as always, I ask you guys to check out our Patreon account, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from there, but I ask you guys to give it a try at the $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for $5, including my insanely detailed show notes, early access to many of the episodes, digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series. All of that and more for $5. No subscription, cancel anytime. Give it a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content that we offer, and every penny of it goes right back in to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. Help us pay the bills. Hey, we've got some hosting fees coming up here in February. I'd really appreciate your help covering some of the expenses. As we move on, more regional wrestling, Monday Warfare, the Wrestling Memory Grenade, and more right around the corner. And once again, not that I need to, but I got to remind you, next week, it's the WWF's Saturday Night's Main Event. It's Jake and Kamala, the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs in a two out of three fall match. Ricky Steamboat's first IC title defense against the mighty Hercules. The Can-Am Connection taking on the Sheik and Volkoff and Hacksaw Jim Duggan not too far behind there. Plus, the feud will conclude. Yes, it's the final matchup between the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on one George the Animal Steel, this time in a lumberjack match. No place to run, no place to hide. There will be a winner. We'll have to wait and see who it is. And Hogan and Andre talk WrestleMania 3. Is Andre the Giant truly the uncrowned champion of the world? And why is Bobby Heenan in a neck brace? All those questions and more answered next week here on The Grenade. So until then, this is Ray Russell saying, from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and we'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! No, now, no. what we'll do, I we'll start, we'll start with some barbecued witchetty grubs. Tastes like walnuts. They're great. you got to put oh, them in walnuts. backwards, because that way they won't crawl back out, see, because you can eat them live, you know. Oh, my word. I want all of my fans that supported me in the past to please, please send those votes in. Ban the DDT. You see, Danny David, when he was a referee, brother, he was a no good, he was a no good scoundbooger. Don't worry. I promise. I won't hurt you.